What's up, everybody? Thank you for listening to Cinephiles Digest. This is episode 115. And our featured review this week is Scream 6. Should be a fun one. We'll get into that in a bit. First things first, though, let me go ahead and introduce my co-host, Travis. Welcome to the show. Hello, Matthew. What's been going on? The constant in your life that you need. (laughs) You you complete me. (laughs) What's been going on since we last chatted, dude? Uh, let's see. I went to a show. I know you went to a, a cooler, maybe more important exclusive one that you'll get into <laughs> in a bit here, but, yeah. um, also a big show. I uh, went to August Burns Red's 20th anniversary show of being a band. Oh, damn. And, I didn't realize uh, you were also, I mean, I knew you were seeing August Burns Red soon, but I think I forgot that it was also a 20th anniversary type show. <laughs> Yep. Nice. They need an excuse to go on tour one more time before their next album hits, and then I'm sure we'll get a uh, fall or winter tour for that album. I feel like bands also get like a venue bump. Like if a band would normally play like Showbox Market, for example, if they bill it as like an anniversary set list or tour, they get to move up to like Showbox Soto. You know what I mean? Like it's just kind of yeah. Like- but I will say August Burns Red pretty much. We'll, we'll live and die at Showbox Soto. They're too big to play anywhere else, but not big enough to like get get Wamu or something. Yeah, I guess Soda, Soda is their ceiling. <laughs> 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 but uh, it was an awesome show. Devil Wears Prada did uh, main support. Love those guys too. Both sets were awesome. Honestly, probably the best August Burns Red has been. They were dialed in. Their set list was great. They seem to be uh, bringing the heat. It was it was awesome. But I will say, Showbox Soto was probably the craziest I've ever seen it. Just Walked as far as there. like people going off? or uh, Well, the crowd was pretty hyped, but um, it just felt like there was more people in there than I've ever seen before. Like when I first walked in, I was like getting pretty anxious because it was like a maze of people to get anywhere. I'm like, oh, fuck this. I'm just going to go to the back corner by the bathrooms, go to the bar from that section, get up there, wait the whole line to go through. And then they're like, oh, sorry, ID checks down there. I'm like, oh, great. So then I'm like (laughs) trying to fucking go through this maze of people again to get down to the bottom area to get inside the other bar. It was, yeah. But when I finally got in the back of the bar and like could chill for a second, I was like, eh, I don't know if I'm moving the rest of the show. (laughs) I did end up moving to the side, like front for a little bit, but, um, found myself back at the bar because, uh, it was annoying where I was standing. You know, when, um, you become the aisle. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> uh, that is the I had worst. to get out of there. <laughs> Besides like a barricade for a crazy show. That's like the worst place to be. It's like, yes, the aisle. <laughs> The guy everyone wants to walk in front right. of her behind. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that was the show. And then um, beyond the show, I thought I'd bring this up since I know you're still into this stuff. But um, I randomly started playing Pokemon Sapphire. Ooh, <laughs> hell yeah. What, like on an emulator or on a Game Boy? Uh, it's on a SP, but uh, it's the Game Boy Advance version of it. Okay, nice. And Sapphire's the like ruby uh wait. Counter? Yeah, I think so. Oh no, I'm thinking of um 
think you're right. Ruby and Sapphire, the it is. Yeah, I'm thinking of Emerald because they oh, they yeah. do like they always do like a follow up game that like Emerald's like the yellow version. The exactly. Of... Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. So yeah, kind of random, but uh, I I still have a uh, a love for those old Game Boy games and. I just thought it would be, you know, it, it's still screen life, but at least it removes the scrolling aspect. It feels a little more productive than just scrolling on my phone late at night when I'm just chilling. Mm-hmm. But I uh, beat the Elite Four, and now I don't know what else to do. I will say, though, <laughs> I got uh, whatever legendary Pokemon that is, Kyogor, Kyogor, I don't know, the Ki- whale yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, Kyogor or whatever. I don't know how to pronounce it, but yeah. Dude, once you get that thing up to like, I don't know, level 52 or something, you just use Ice Beam every time against the Elite Four and they're done. Oh, yeah. It's, it used to be game over with uh, Ice Type. Ice Type kind of sucks nowadays in like modern uh, oh, really? Pokemon meta. But yeah, back in the day, Ice was like fucking game over. If you had a Lapras, dude, whew, good See, block. I was back, like back in the day, I didn't care enough or wasn't smart enough or whatever. But um, like, I never used the cool legendary Pokemon because I'd usually just let them run free. Like I wouldn't save it beforehand, wouldn't catch it, and then I wouldn't get it. And then I never used, I, I would never have like a dragon type Pokemon late enough for someone who could do ice type moves against the, you know, the ones that are weak against it. So I used to do it the old fashioned way. <laughs> but man, this time it was, it was cake. Hell yeah. Well, that's awesome. So what, are you a Pokemon guy now, or are you just going to move forward through the series from there? Uh, I don't know. See, I don't want to invest a lot of money into it either. And I have tried some of the newer Game Boy games, maybe not like the newest versions, but they just run a little too slow for me. Like just the animations or like going from screen to screen. Like I'm all about the fucking bike flying everywhere. Like just get me where I need to go. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Well, I mean, you spend enough time fucking trying to avoid wild Pokemon that I don't want to spend extra time walking or talking to some guy who isn't going to give me anything. (laughs) Yes. To be fair though, they do, they have like had some quality of life stuff where it's not as grindy where you're just like running around in the same piece of grass for two hours mm. leveling up your pokemon and then trying to like stay out of grass like they've they've there's some quality of life stuff that they've done that i noticed that a little better. bit in this one like uh there's those interview one uh duo that you can fight a bunch of times and just stack cash and you know gain xp against them instead of wild pokemon and then one of the best quality of life updates at least between the, like the og versions and sapphire is you don't have to like manually change your box before you go out and catch more Pokemon. Remember when your box was full, it was like, sorry, you're SOL. Right. You just had to release the Pokemon and then go back and like <laughs> do fucking 10 minutes of inventory management. Like, okay, let's see. I'm going to move you here. Yeah, that was a fucking nightmare. But now it automatically just will go to the next box or whatever, which right. is huge. That's, that's, <laughs> who would have thought? <laughs> All right. That's enough nerd talk uh you can go ahead and tell us about your show and whatever else you've been doing yeah for sure so uh those who don't already know uh the band afi my favorite band of all time i joined their uh, fan club the despair faction when i was 15 years old 
that was when um for those in the know that's when uh, december underground came out that was their like big big breakthrough album and that like miss murder was all over the place and oh yeah anyway i've been a fan for a long time but uh i first became a fan when i was 12 years old when uh sing the sorrow came out and uh, that came out in 2003 and that was like the first album like when i look back on my life that's the first album that feels like it was mine you know what i mean like we grew up listening to like radio music like you know backstreet boys or like whatever pop stars and then like kind of what your parents listen to so until you're like in usually middle school is where you start like figuring out like your own sense of music or whatever uh afis was like the first band that felt like it was only for me you know so special place in my heart and they uh had a one night only full album performance of sing the sorrow uh at the kia forum in los angeles so uh made a weekend out of it me and Haley went down stayed in redondo beach and uh it was huge dude it was huge the stage production was like one of the coolest i've ever seen like just like the visuals that played on the huge screen and like the uh intermission stuff that they had going on the lights I, uh, I'm proud to say I only cried three times, which is pretty big for me. <laughs> only cried three times, uh, saying along to every word. Uh, one of the highlights was, uh, so Haley and I were not interested at being like super close cause Kia forum is like a 17,000 capacity arena. So we didn't want to like get up close. So we were basically standing towards the back of like the general admission area, um, mm-hmm. but I mean, you're a sing the sorrow guy, you know, you know, the songs, right? Oh yeah. So they had an inner, like a little intermission thing between this celluloid dream and the leaving song. And the leaving song is like an acoustic sad song. Mm-hmm. And, uh, all of a sudden Haley was like, what's going on? Cause there were like people like crowding around behind us. There must be some sort of like underground tunnel in the forum because all of a sudden the lights came on and Davey and Jade were just like right behind us by the sound guys. And they did like the leaving song like right there. So even though we weren't up close, like for one song anyway, I could I could almost smell Davey Havoc. I could almost (laughs) smell. (laughs) It was huge. What a hunk. Anyway, it was amazing. I I had a blast and uh, Jawbreaker played, too. Who they're they're also a top five band for me. I've got a fucking jawbreaker tattoo on my arm, so that was pretty huge. Now, was that the second or third time you've seen Jawbreaker? That was the fifth time I've seen Jawbreaker, my guy. Yeah, they've uh, none of them when they were like originally a band because they broke up when I was five years old. So all since they've reunited, I've seen them five times. But I remember there was one. There was a, like a special show of theirs that was like, was it the first time in a long time that they were playing or was it the first? For some reason, I remember you like you never had the opportunity to see him. And then like within like a year's time, you had like at least three opportunities to see. <laughs> yes. <him. laughs> yes. Well, so they got back together for Riot Fest. So I went to Chicago for Riot Fest. That was the right, first okay. time I saw them. And then the second time, and definitely the best time, was they played the, I can't remember what it's called, the Olympia Theater, I think, in Olympia. Um, You've seen them five times now, and that was the first time you saw them was at Riot Fest? It was 2017, yeah. 
Wow. Well, they played, so they played Riot Fest. That same year, they played in Olympia because their bass player lives in Olympia. So they played a, like a super special show with the theater there, and that was the best time I've seen them, I think. And then they played Upstream, that festival that like came and went here in Seattle, like didn't last very long. They did it like two or three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, they headlined one night there. So I saw them at upstream and then I saw them, uh, for a fourth time at fest cause they played fest right. 18. Uh, and that was the fourth time. So this was the fifth time I've seen them wow, in that's crazy. a little over five years, a band I never thought I would see in my life. <laughs> have now seen <laughs> you're averaging about one a year since he's basically yeah. <laughs> and that's with three years of the pandemic mm-hmm. so they were that was pretty cool too so anyway amazing show no fafi talk but uh fucking loved it um uh, did check out a couple breweries though i know there's some beer heads out there who listen to our show and uh i did text you about it about a uh, monkish you said you'd never tried yeah, beer before never heard of them but they look promising they some of the best IPAs I've ever had. Like uh there was one in particular that fucking was blowing my mind. Um they're really cool. Uh, I I had heard of them but I'd never had an opportunity to try their beer. So when I looked up like breweries in the, in the Los Angeles area and realized we weren't that far from Torrance, mm-hmm. uh had to check it out. It was amazing. And then it's within walking distance of this brewery called Smog City Brewing. Um which is cool. Their beer is like not amazing but it's it's pretty good it's above average but it's funny so i was in la to see afi and jawbreaker my other favorite band is joyce manor and for their new record they did a beer collaboration it's called 40 ounce to uh, to torrents and i knew that they had done a beer collaboration but like i, I didn't know right know who the brewery was so i didn't think that much about it Turns out it was Smog City. We get to Smog City, and I see 40-ounce torrents on the board. Wow. Like, so I got to try the Joyce Manor collaboration beer <laughs> in addition to you know, seeing two of my all-time favorite bands. So big big weekend for it Old Maddie Boy. It was meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Los Angeles was cool. They had like historic rain. And, like, now, didn't you have to miss the Joyce Manor show in Seattle to go to this AFI show? Um. Yes and no. I didn't have to miss it. But it's happening like this Wednesday. Mm, but was that I today? See. Right, tomorrow or the next day. But anyway, the 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 other main wish, issue is that I also had tickets to see Sunny Day Real Estate in December, and that got canceled and rescheduled to uh, tomorrow. I'm seeing Sunny Day Real Estate in Seattle tomorrow, ah. so I think that's the same night as Joyce Manor. So even if Haley and I had gotten the gumption to like go to Joyce Manor. The Sunny Day Real Estate Show got rescheduled. Look at Matt getting out in the world. Yeah, going to shows. I wish it wasn't so close to <laughs> being in LA because I'm getting too old for this shit. But I, f- I feel yeah. I'm that. looking forward to it. It should be pretty fun. That'll be at the Moore Theater, which I've never actually seen a show at the Moore. I've only ever seen comedy. I saw Aziz hmm. Ansari at the Moore. Yeah, now that you mention it, I don't think I've ever seen an actual show there either. Probably Did you just see like a play or something. There? Comedies. Yeah, and. I think at least one play. I think I saw the le- the right one in play there, maybe. Ooh, that's huge. Oh, I saw the Book of Mormon at the Moore Theater. I forgot about that. Or maybe that was Paramount. That might have been do, Paramount. Do yeah. musicians play there? Moore Theater? Yeah. They have shows I guess there it would be bit. probably more so like, not bands that I would normally listen to. It's like, it's it's they they can't remove the seating, so it's like... Seated no shows, yeah, no moshing. <laughs> At the Paramount, they can remove those uh, uh, those chairs. So, 
But anyway. Was, speaking of Paramount, I went to Tove Lo a few weeks ago with Chelsea. You went to, huh? Tove Lo. Tove the Lo. pop artist. Yeah. I don't think I'm familiar. You probably know a couple of her songs. Perhaps. Was it cool? Yeah, it was a good show. It was uh, the, uh, how do I phrase this? There is a, the the pride was in full force that night. Mm, I see. The the queer community uh, had a strong presence there. Yes. <laughs> I was, uh, I mean, I kind of had a feeling, but. I felt like I was in the minority. <laughs> not not a bad thing. Just in a good way. Know. Like people were uh, having a good time oh, yeah. and out and people proud. were having a great time. Nice. I was all about it. But yeah, it was uh, just something I noticed. Sure. But, but I, she's all about um, like, you know, uh, in- inclusivity and uh, like body positive. And she's very like, you know, one of those artists. <laughs> Sure, I got you. Nice. I'll have to look at her like Spotify top songs and see if I'm familiar and just wasn't already aware. Fuck yeah. All right. Anything else before we move on to our next topic? I think I'm good. God, we need we need like a a Tom or a Paris here because you get the two of us together and we just fucking ramble about nerd shit for like 20 (laughs) minutes when we do these (laughs) episodes, just the two of us. That was a good talk, though. Okay, well, we're, before we do our review, we're going to do some Oscars talk. So we're recording this on the uh, on the Wednesday after the Oscars. And uh, I'm going to lean on you for the most part for this. Like, I know who won and stuff, but I only was able to watch the last, I would say, 45 minutes or so of the show. Because we were out uh, drinking all day <laughs> and uh, didn't get back to the hotel until around, like, 7.30 or so. So I saw, mm-hmm. like... Uh, the best actor, best actress, best picture, and then like uh, one or two other awards. So I didn't get to see a ton of the speeches. But what what did you think? Give us give the listeners a little uh, set the scene for them. Yeah, so I watched the whole ceremony. I missed some of the pregame red carpet stuff, but um, figured I'd get enough of the ceremony, you know, by just watching the the normal presentation of it. Um. Chelsea wanted to watch it and I was kind of interested and then I was also on dinner duty that night so just had it on while I was making dinner Mm. Um, and then you know finished the rest afterwards but uh overall I thought it was a pretty solid ceremony it it felt a little safe but it did feel kind of like a return to form for the Oscars and uh, we all know who the big winner was, everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if I've officially said that I rewatched it and do like it a bit more, but still not on the same wavelength as uh, the majority with this movie. Mm-hmm. But um, I will say it, I was very happy for everyone involved that they... Um, were so successful that night. Like um, Ki Hui Kwan's acceptance was uh, actually made me tear up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. That, that was awesome. And then it felt like Jamie Lee Curtis was kind of given a gimme award. But again, uh, I still think it's cool that they were so successful. And then yeah, Michelle Yeoh winning was also cool. Mm-hmm. Although I, 
it almost felt like a little bit of a gimme and they were just going with the flow of the the vibe of the night rather than giving it to Kate Blanchett for Tar. Kind of like a career achievement award kind of yeah. kind of situation for Jamie Lee Curtis and I mean definitely Jamie Lee Curtis. Michelle Yao, I think uh, No, I, yeah, I think it was but. I think it was deserving, but I, I think part of it was you know, Kate Blanchett's already won an Oscar a couple times, so let's give it to someone else. Right, right. And it seemed like it was that movie's night, so might as well just, you know, keep it going. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, a couple of surprises were some of the wins by All Quiet on the Western Front. I thought that movie was good for what it was, but I don't think it really did much, like, to really separate as like a great war film like it is it is good don't get me wrong but i just don't think it did enough to like really make an impact and the things that won for it just i don't know i i think other nominees were more deserving like it won best cinematography that should have went to the batman or even a couple others like um and then it won for score which i I like the score in that movie, but it doesn't really fit with the film. It feels like tonally out of place. I I, I still haven't caught up with that one, so I don't. It's got like a modern day sound to it, but we're like set in World War One. So it just feels weird having like a modern day sounding score like played over the top of you know, images that are supposed to be like from a hundred years ago or whatever. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, and then Brennan Fraser went in for best actor. Uh, I'm really glad he won, but it almost felt like he had already said everything he needed to say at previous acceptance speeches. And his, his speech was kind of underwhelming. His speech, honestly, it was kind of cringe. Like how many like whale or water, you know, like <laughs> at one point I felt deep underwater in my career, like, you know, <laughs> like three different times where he was making references to the whale. And I was like, bro. Yeah, I, I was underwhelmed by it. Like I was very happy for him and he was clearly very overwhelmed with emotion, but the speech yeah. was a little, uh lackluster his speech at the globes was way better and maybe that's why he didn't just do the same thing because he had already done it for that but yeah it was a little underwhelming which is fair i mean he probably never in a million years thought he would reach a place where he would win an oscar so when he was winning awards like he needed to you know say what he wanted to say in the event that he you know didn't win the Oscar. He probably wasn't right. like expecting to win per se, you know? So it makes sense. Cause I know he did win a lot of, he's been to a lot of the award shows in the lead up <clears throat> to this. So it makes sense. But yeah, overall it was uh solid and I'm mostly glad with the outcome of the awards. Uh, it just felt a little predictable maybe and a little safe. So I didn't get to see much Jimmy Kimmel. Um, I mean, I've seen the other, Oscars that he's hosted. Uh, what did you think about Jimmy Kimmel? Uh, he was okay. No Chris Rock? <laughs> well, I didn't really watch last year's Oscars. Oh, right. You missed the craziest Oscar moment of, of all time. We were uh, pre-funking in the hotel for like our last night in Vegas for my bachelor party when it was on. Mm. So we watched a little bit of it. but You missed the slap heard around the world. 
I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> there were a bunch of people making jokes that um that if Chris Rock were at on stage at the Oscars, somebody needed to be a hero and do the funniest thing of all time. Alluding to somebody needed to get up on stage and slap Chris Rock again. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as I understand, he did not make an appearance. Is that correct? Uh, I did not see him. I mean, I was kind of in and out for some of it, so uh, may not be the best person to ask, but I do not recall seeing him. You would have you would have heard his voice and your ears would have perked up and True. you would have paid full attention. You can't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he has a, an unmistakable voice. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I um, you know, it seemed like it was obviously. I was happy for everything, everywhere, all at once. I think it's one of the best movies ever made. But that's uh, you know, I'm on that side of the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was happy that it won all those awards. Um, but you know, not as many like viral clips or anything. Like usually, there's like you know speeches that go viral. For the most part, it's just been Hike Kwan, and I lo- I did love that moment where uh. Uh, Harrison Ford read the read Best Picture winner, and mm. when when Key got up on stage, they had that embrace. So that's been like heavily yeah. memed because they like <laughs> put that right up against the 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 two of them hugging in Temple of Doom. So that was cool. The other the only other moment that I saw that like kind of brought me to tears was um oh god who won? I think it was when. Michelle Yao won. There was a presenter, and she like, oh no, it was Kike Kwan. She she started uh uh crying as she read his name when she saw that he won. It was mm. the chick from uh, West Side Story last year. Like as yeah. she read his name, she started choking up. I was like, oh god. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I remember that part. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was a a good solid moment. But uh, yeah, I don't have much to contribute beyond that i didn't get a chance to see much of the ceremony so i usually make a point to watch it i enjoy it every year a little boring but you know (laughs) i make a point to watch it every year so bummed i didn't get to this year but you know i was busy drinking beer you know how it goes Mm -hmm. any other thoughts on the oscars before we move on to a review no i think i'm good oh yeah all right well let's go ahead oh whoops sorry about that burp there drinking some uh costco scotch Came up a little bit there. Excuse me. Uh, anyway, let's move on to our featured review of the show. So we're going to be talking about Scream 6. So Scream 6 is directed by Matt Bettinelli, Olpin, and Tyler Gillett. Film stars Melissa Barrera, Jenna Ortega, Jasmine Savoy Brown, Mason Gooding, Courtney Cox, Hayden Panettiere, Dermot Mulroney, just a who's who of uh, familiar and new faces. Plot synopsis is New York, new rules. Following the latest Ghostface killings, the four survivors leave Woodsboro behind and start a fresh chapter in New York City. Now, before we get into the review, we should say up top, we did not talk about this pre-show, but I'm assuming we need to have uh, most of this conversation in a spoiler section, no? Would you agree? Just by nature of the the type of movie it is, or are you not much interested in uh, the specifics of, you know, what this movie is, uh, how it tries to subvert or stay true to the formula of Scream? 
Uh, I mean, we can talk about it, but don't rely on me for that kind of stuff because I don't really care. <laughs> Maybe that will clue you into my review. But, um, I mean, I, I could go spoiler-free, but it sounds like you want to talk at least a bit about spoiler stuff. I mean, there's not necessarily anything specific that I need to say that's spoilery. I just assume, you know, because of the nature of the the movie itself, a lot of people are very precious about uh, Scream and, you know, who's the killer and the whole game and, and that kind of stuff. So, well, we can see how it goes. We'll keep it general. Then if we feel like there's more to say that we can't say, we can I feel like play it by ear. It, uh, being precious about this franchise maybe made sense like 10 years ago or more, but I, with this one and last year's, it almost makes me feel like it's not that precious at all. And um, <laughs> it's uh, just kind of like a blueprint now. <laughs> Interesting. Well, let, I'll let you go first. So um, real quick before you go into your review, remind me, uh, we did review this movie around this time last year. Not this movie. No. Scream. Scream 5. It was just called Scream. No. Um, we did not. Did we? Because I had not seen it. I had. I just watched it this past weekend. Oh. We did do it on the show, I thought. Maybe you weren't. Oh, maybe no, I'm just. Familiar. I don't miss an episode. <laughs> 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 oh, shit. Well, never mind then. Okay. So. Maybe you did a little, like segment during what we've been watching but i'm that's pretty sure pretty sure we didn't because yeah i didn't watch it so i wouldn't have been on the episode and i don't think i've missed an episode since ladybird so no going back through i don't uh <laughs> i thought we had that was one of our featured reviews but i guess not okay well never mind so you watched both in the lead up to this one i guess well the one i, d I did watch scream yeah. four as well I've actually rewatched the entire franchise within the last year or two because we did uh, the initial scream with Scary Movie for the Digest mm -hmm. uh, probably about a year ago or so now. And then this past Halloween, I wanted to watch all of them, only watch two and three. And then now that the new one was coming out, I figured out this is the time to watch four and five to prepare for six. And so check those boxes and... <laughs> We're talking about six, and I thought six was solid. And um, it kind of gets into what I was saying earlier, that, like, I I don't really care that much about, like, the, like, subverting expectations and, like, how meta the movies can get. I think some of that stuff is interesting, but I don't really care to, like, think about it or get bogged down in it. Um. But yeah, it almost just feels like we've we've hit cruise control with this franchise and there's things to expect like every film or every installment. And then there's always like something that's trying to throw you off that maybe doesn't make perfect sense at the end, but at least it like kept you guessing the whole time. <laughs> like um yeah, that's just kind of what they've become to me. It's just like you know, it's just a solid slasher with some familiar elements and then some sort of maybe meta commentary on the genre or the franchise itself. And then there's usually some like 
wacky reveal of some sort that makes varying degrees of sense. <laughs> okay. But um, so some other notes. Uh, I feel like they made a big deal about it being in a new city, especially being New York, and uh, could have been more New York for me. I think they've really uh, dropped the ball there. They do take advantage of it in two key scenes that I'll I'll bring up later that it, like two of my favorite scenes in the whole series I'll say but beyond that yeah it's they feel like they could have taken advantage of the setting a bit more so I agree with you there and um you know everyone is all about Jenna Ortega but I'm on team Melissa Barrera now, are you on her team because she's a good actress, or are you on her team because she's just super hot? Because uh, I'm on both teams. <laughs> I do think she's good, but um, yeah, she's uh, also pretty hot. She's, uh, she's. I think she's good for this type of movie. Yes, but I do think Jenna Ortega is noticeably like... The Shining, like she has a bigger role in this one than she did in Scream Five, but like, uh, I don't know. I I feel like she is definitely like a cut above her co-stars for the most part. When did this whole Jenna Ortega fandom start? Um, well, it depends on how big of a fan you are. Some people would say it started with Jane the Virgin, but uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> I that's a good question um i mean the first movie i remember seeing her in was that babysitter movie oh she was in you too maybe that's where i first remembered seeing her she was in season i think season two of you Mm. um that was probably where it began at least for me i never watched in the virgin so i wasn't familiar with her but now she's everywhere yeah, she's everyone's favorite, and it just seemed to kind of come out of nowhere. But um, I really first noticed her in X. Really, you weren't? She wasn't mm-hmm. on your radar before that. No, not really. I hadn't watched those shows, and she was in Iron Man three, I guess, but I couldn't tell you who. <laughs> um, I did not see the Babysitter sequel. I don't know. Her filmography is not really. You know, nothing's really popping up. It all happened very fast, at least for me, because like even by the time X came out, I was like, it felt weird to me that she had like such a relatively small role in it. But that's because it all it all happened very fast. I think you is probably where it started for most people because she was a pretty major character in season two of you. And then after that, I mean, she did she did Scream, Scream 5, which you, you hadn't seen up until now. She did that movie The Fallout last year. Which is actually I did really see good. that, but after the blow-up had occurred. Sure. It all happened very fast. And then, of course, yeah. Wednesday, now she's fucking everywhere. Right. But um, I did just see a headline, a little backlash, saying she's hard to work with. Here we go. That she's hard to work with? I saw that she yes. was like, she's been very vocally like shitting on Wednesday. <laughs> and that she like was constantly like having to fight for like them not doing stupid Maybe stuff. Maybe it's... Uh, Maybe it's just who you ask, I guess. Yeah. They're both pointing the finger. <laughs> now, who's pointing the finger at her? Is this some clickbait article you're looking at? Or what are we... Uh, it was, I think one of the... It, well, I didn't get the full deets, but um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was it was someone 
on the Wednesday like team, like part of the crew, either the creator, or the I don't think the director, maybe the one, maybe one of the producers or something. Well, I mean that would make sense. She has been saying that she fucking hates being Wednesday Adams, and she thinks the show is dog shit. And I mean that she's not that strong yeah. with her words, but she has been very like. I don't understand why people watch this shit. She didn't really need it either. <laughs> I mean, you would think that that would be the thing to blow her up, but she was already pretty popular before that came out. She was, yeah, but she definitely reached. Uh, she's like I, full on fucking like Ryan. I Reynolds do see at this point in her uh, actor credits here on Letterbox, Untitled Trey Edward Schultz project, and Barry Keegan is also attached. Could be huge. You got, you got to change your undies <laughs> after that one, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> cream yeah. in your jeans. God damn. Well, I just had to, you know, I just had to point it out that I, I'm a fan of Jen Ortega, but I just don't get where the like fandom has really come from. I mean, did you see her Hot Ones interview, dude? I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> dude, she doesn't. Even, she doesn't even fucking flinch. She like mows down those things, and she like. I mean, you're you're, you're familiar, you know, the bomb sauce, right? Oh yeah, dude. I would maybe make it past the second round on that show, dude. I had a dab of the bomb sauce one time, and my fucking tum was numb, and I was drooling out the sides of my mouth. <laughs> so yeah, no. the fact that she was just like, "Ooh, that is hot," and then that's it. What a champ. Anyway, all right. Too let's much get your, talk. Let's get your thoughts. Yes. Okay. So uh, I don't remember if I said anything on the show after thinking we did a full review on it. Now I don't even fucking know if I talked about it. But um, I was a fan of Scream 5. Um, I found it to be a lot of fun. Some parts were kind of annoying to me, and that did carry over into this one. Um, just some issues with like, believability and like some of the meta comments were just a little cringe but overall i liked the tone i thought it looked good um that also carried over into this movie now compared to scream 5 i think they're pretty much on par with one another for me i do think they are two of the strongest scream films though i am not by any means the biggest scream fan uh i've seen the first movie twice, and all the other ones I've only seen once. Wait, really? And one of them was for the digest? Uh-huh. Wow. Maybe three times. Maybe I've seen the first Scream three times. But all the other movies I've only seen once, and I watched two, three, and four like much later in life. I think I was in college or maybe just out of college when I like caught up with yeah. the series. Scream was pretty big for me growing up because Tyler like had a hard on for that growing up. Um, so it was big in our house. And I remember that was one of the first movies to like really scare me. Um, I was mm. younger at the time. Right. And then saw Scream 2, you know, when it came out, but um, had not seen Scream 3 or 4 till recently. And I almost feel like that may have been a little bit of a disservice to them seeing them so many years later. Yeah, they feel yeah. very much the, of their time. <laughs> I This franchise is not precious to me at all, but I do love the first one quite a bit. I do think the first one is still the best. And then I would say, for me, like, here's the thing. I think 
Scream 1, 2, 5, and 6, those are all four-star movies for me. Like, I don't love any of the Scream no, movies. No, the first one's got to be a cut above. Come on. It is the f- best one, but no. It gets points for being, like, you know, first, but I don't find it that. I mean, we talked. There's a, we did a whole episode on Scream with scary movies, so my thoughts are there. Come but. on. For the, for the opening scene alone, it needs a bump. Um, nah. That shit's so iconic. It's like, it is iconic, but like... <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so kind of to, to bring the conversation back to Scream 6, I was a big fan of the opening to Scream 6. I don't even remember the opening to Scream 5, but I loved the opening uh, to Scream 6. It's Jenna Ortega at her, at her house and like the home phone rings. Oh, right, and she's the one who gets stabbed and then she's... Right, okay. But see, I don't even remember... I couldn't tell you anything about the scene itself. Like I had forgotten that it was her... Like I knew she was like in a in the hospital for basically all of Scream Five, but like, mm-hmm. but Scream Six, I thought again, I don't want to be spoilery, but I think it does some interesting things to subvert expectations, and I love that they got Samara Weaving to do mm-hmm. it. I think I love her. I think she's great. So casting her is very much in line with the previous casting of the parts for that character who kicks off the movie, but. There's a a mini reveal, I will say, without being specific, in that opening sequence that caught me very much by surprise, and I liked what they did with it. Yeah, I also liked what they did with it, but then I feel like it didn't really go like that far with that idea. Not really, but at least in the moment. Like, I think... See, that's part of the reason why I'm not so precious about Scream is that I think it gets a little too much credit for how smart it is. Like, sure, it's clever, some of the stuff they do, but it's like, oh, ha ha, that's cool. Or ha ha, that's that's a neat turn on a trope. You know what I mean? But it's like some people are just like way too like beholden to the formula. Like you kind of alluded to this at this point. It's you start scream the original scream being like a meta version of slashers like a meta take on slashers and now it's about a meta take on scream you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. it's so self-aware in a way that i find fun and entertaining but it's like i don't care that much about like i think where this movie lost me a little bit was what it did with the killers trying to like intentionally mislead you and have some red herrings and like i wasn't a huge fan like there's no way it could be this guy right 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 (laughs) i mean they do that in all of them kind of you know they make comments about how this person's the prime suspect because they're the boyfriend and then you know oftentimes it does end up being the person hiding in plain sight or oftentimes it's two people and then, you know, for one or two of them, they're like, haha, just kidding. It's just one person. And they're always trying to like trick you, but they sometimes have to take some leaps in order to do that. Right. <laughs> and the first movie did it best when there was the reveal that there were two killers. Like that was a crazy reveal. And the fact that they've yeah. done it in every scream except three since then, it's like, okay, well, at least they do play with that in the screenplay where they like part of this is like what they're playing on so if scream five is about like the legacy sequel scream six is about like franchise reboots where it's like very beholden to the past so they lean into the like worship of scream culture 
and they've done the like whole stab thing ever since scream 2 so it's like they refer to things as stab but literally everything is just a it's just scream so it's like i yeah. like that aspect of it i think it's fun and then real quick before i uh hand it back over to you i did like the characters more in this one they did grow on me like the core four high five thing got a little <laughs> annoying but like i like the characters more in this one um and i do kind of like that they're you know moving forward they're establishing basically a some sort of reboot trilogy type thing at least it seems like that's what they're leading to but um some spoilery stuff that you know we, maybe we'll get into at the very end that i don't particularly enjoy about the core four stuff but i did like the characters more overall in this one than it's five yeah i would probably agree with you if you want to compare the two i think they did a bit better job in this one with just the character dynamics and development and 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 just like screen time in general between them Mm -hmm. but back to the opening scene i will say that i did like it and at first i felt like it was going to be too unbelievable that she went into the alleyway but then i think they did a pretty good job of saving that scene because you like i don't know you kind of put yourself in her shoes and you would think at first like you're an idiot for going in the alleyway but then like if you think someone on the other line is actually like in danger i think you might change your tune whether you know them or not like having that like imminent like danger I think would make you think a little differently to go down that alley. I agree with you in theory, but she could see the whole fucking alley. Like there's no, there's nothing going on in that alley. You know what I mean? Like where yeah. could this possibly be happening? Unless there was but like, I feel like a hidden nook or something that she like could yeah. see. But part of that just alluded to like them potentially not like being on the same page and just, I don't know, because the whole time it it was it wasn't clear if they were like in the same alleyway or not. So I I could see her like having that like sense of urgency, and then you know, kind of just letting that happen to her, even though she's probably smarter than that. <laughs> yes, and at the very least, they do they do recognize in that moment that she is like very hesitant to go down this alley like it's not like she's just a fucking dummy and just like goes down the alley like she is clearly right like not wait, where wanting are you? to go <laughs> right like clearly there's some red flags like she's not made out to be like a fucking idiot like so they at least get some mileage out of that and recognize that like yes is it stupid to go into this alley yes but i mean they do a, i agree with your point that they do a good job of like rationalizing why she finally does decide to go in um and i mean that it also just plays into the tropes or the the genre yes for sure which they do i feel like this movie kind like this franchise really like the reason why i'm maybe not the biggest scream fan is it seems like it picks and chooses like which tropes it wants to like be meta about and call attention to while also committing other tropes that are like predictable and maybe a little overwrought, you know what I mean? So it's like there are aspects of it that feel like clever and funny and self-referential. And then there's other aspects where it's like, okay, well why, 
this feels generic and the movie is not acknowledging that it's generic. You know what I mean? It's the definition of have your cake and eat it too. No, totally. That's what this uh, franchise has kind of <laughs> become at this point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, now, I do want to bring up the two scene, my two favorite scenes, and I think two of the strongest scenes in, in the whole Scream series would be the like bodega scene with Ghostface where uh, Jenna Ortega and um, I should use their characters' names. It's Sam and um, uh, Tara. Sam and Tara are in the bodega to get away from Ghostface and then he just kind of goes in there and some shit goes down. Um, I thought that Bodega, like the convenience store? Yes, the convenience store. Yes, that was probably my favorite scene of the movie far as far as like tension goes. Some pretty cool kills too. Good tension, mm-hmm. good kills. I like the way it was shot. Um, and I, I took down a note as soon as the movie was over because I wanted to bring it up. How, did you notice how obvious the fucking Coors product placement was in that scene? The what product placement? Coors. The beer. Oh, Coors? Oh, no, I did not oh notice that. Oh, my God. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Next time you watch that movie, if you... <laughs> you Every fucking beer in that convenience store is Coors. There are piles in... So, literally, in the free, in the freezers, it's Coors. Oh, yeah. Piles of cores stacked on top of each other, like just in and around the uh, convenience store, and cores like neon signs, like at the front. Like, that was the only thing that kind of took me out of the scene a little bit because I started laughing, and then Haley like looked at me, and I was like, you know, I was like in a minute because I wanted to watch the rest of the scene, but I was like, <laughs> I looked over, and said, did you see how much Coors product placement there was? And she was like, yeah, I did. It's ridiculous. <laughs> if you next time you watch it, You'll pay attention to that and it'll make you chuckle because it's it's pretty brutal. But beyond that, I did like that scene a lot. Um, and the subway scene is the other one that I thought was awesome, too. The subway scene was decent. Wasn't as good as the convenience store, but. I just think that's what that's the only other scene where they take advantage of the setting and yeah you know they play with the the fact that the ghost face is like a very popular character so they do maybe get a little bit they go back to that well a little bit too much with like all the different passengers who have the mask on are they are they ghost face are they not um but i thought there was some good some good tension there i yeah i just feel like it went on a little it was a little like too slow for me or something and just uh, didn't reach the conclusion I really wanted it to. It just felt a little lackluster. Sure. Okay, that's but, right. But um, one of the kills I kind of liked was the the one with the ladder across the uh, like alleyway from the windows. Yes, that one was that one was fun. Well, I guess just in general, um, I like that the gore is a bit more amped up in these newer ones. Uh, and Especially we actually in this get one. some, yeah. yeah, we get some good like blood and even like just score effects. Like when she hits her face on the uh, dumpster as she's falling, and we get like the shot of her face. <laughs> I think, I mean, that stuff is I wouldn't say completely missing from the franchise because the first one is pretty gory at times, especially for being the first one in the '90s. But like the the Drew Barrymore sequence at the beginning is pretty graphic and then i feel like there's a couple other semi-graphic scenes 
That's true, but you did just make me... We, I'm experiencing the scary movie syndrome where you brought up the graphic violence. And, it just and you're made thinking me of... Of scary movie where they just like <laughs> stab each other over and over again. He's like, come on, man. There's like blood <laughs> dripping out of his mouth. I'm feeling woozy. <laughs> <laughs> or when he stabs the silicon. Oh, and it pops. <laughs> oh, and it comes out. Oh, my God. <laughs> Iconic. Um, oh, man. So now there are a couple other things that I'm realizing I want to talk about, but I don't know if I can do it without spoilers. So I don't know if you want to have maybe like a very brief, like little five minute spoiler discussion after we give stars. But um, yeah, we can do that. Um, I will say that I did before we get into spoilers. um, I thought the ending and where it went just um, went on a little too long. Did you feel that as well? As far just, as like the climax once we got to like the final, or? yeah, like when we got to like the like climax, like final location, it just felt like it took way too long to like wrap up and get to where we needed to get of like revealing the killers and all that. Hmm. Um, I don't know if I necessarily felt it was too long. I just that was the most underwhelming part of the movie for me. So maybe. Maybe we were feeling, you know, experiencing the same thing, but I didn't really attribute it to the length. I was just like kind of underwhelmed by by all I of just it. just felt like know? it was, yeah, it was just felt like it dragged on a little too long. And I like the idea of where they go, but then again, it's like one of those ideas that is kind of half-baked. Yeah, you can poke a lot of holes in it, in it too, just logistically that are a little weird, so... Do it does seem like this movie may have been a bit rushed because we just got Scream 5. And I'm not saying like this script is terrible or anything like that. But like I think it could have been much stronger if they like sat on it for a year or so. Well, it's hard to say because you have to wonder if the screenwriters like already had most of these ideas in place before the sequel got greenlit. Because it does, it was rushed in the sense that Scream 5 was such a success that they like immediately greenlit production. But I have to imagine the screen, because it's the same screenwriters from 5, I believe. Um, I feel like they had to, some of this stuff had already been cooking beforehand. So it's like, it does yeah, seem like a quick turnaround though. Flushed out enough like maybe they had the ideas but just didn't spend enough time on them yeah i feel i am curious to see where they take the next one because i i do feel like they've gotten about as much mileage out of this like reboot you know legacy sequel thing as they can as far as i'm concerned so it's like where do they go from here with these characters but i mean also go fucking see I'll see another one. Oh, I forgot forgot to mention this. So I told you, you had reached out to me um, because you knew I was going to be taking a trip. So you were like, hey, are you sure we want to do Scream, like recording Mm -hmm. this so soon? And I told you that uh, I was seeing an opening night on Thursday in RPX. Mm -hmm. Haley booked the tickets. We get to the theater and homeboy Usher hands us fucking 3D glasses. And I'm like, what Haley? did you got 3d rpx tickets she didn't even realize it was 3d oh yeah so literally 3d rpx scream six it was huge how um, was the 3d i was actually kind of curious but not enough to well it was mo- mainly the showtime that turned me away i wanted to see it like early as possible and um 
the 3D showings weren't like till a few hours later. So mm. just went with the standard. I like 3D movies. So like it wasn't it, it wasn't shot for 3D, right? So I'm sure you've seen movies where I like 3D when 3D is the intention. When it's an afterthought, it just it feels like an afterthought. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I don't. Most of the time, you you your eyes get used to it, so you don't even really notice that it's in 3D. Yeah. After a while, I do think it enhances it, and I do think it was most effective for that scene you alluded to with the ladder, because there's like an element mm. of like height. That right. is elevated with the 3D element. So I do think it's certain. But all the dialogue there. sequences, you're just like, what am I doing? You don't really notice <laughs> it, though. Yeah. I mean, it's is it worth the extra money? Probably not. But like, I don't know. I like it as a novelty. I mean, yeah. I, I agree that when it's like Avatar or like Jackass 3D or something, like it's better when it's like either treating it as a gimmick or like trying to be immersive. But I don't find it distracting um i i thought it was pretty no the way they do it is pretty pretty effective at times it can just feel unnecessary where it's just there's really no point of me wearing these glasses or having this extra the extra depth so like what are we doing here but yeah i like when it's gimmicky or like you know the whole the intention is to make a 3d film because then i just feel like they incorporate it better that is definitely true yeah it's weird that I mean, are they just going off the Avatar hype for this one, or as far as why 3D? Yeah, it just seems weird that we're doing 3D again because 3D seemed pretty much dead until Avatar came out. Yeah, Avatar maybe. 2. I mean, the theaters probably just have a fucking surplus of 3D glasses. <laughs> so they're like, "Fuck <laughs> it, let's throw 3D on here. <laughs> Get a couple extra bucks out of these chodes." Um, it could be, but I I enjoyed it. It's been a long time since I've seen a 3D movie, so I di- I did at least enjoy it for the novelty aspect of you know oh this guy was seen a 3D you know big screen loud 3D like it was it was cool. You were ready. I was so ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, are there any other general thoughts before we move into a, a very brief spoiler section? Um. Well, disregarding my notes really quick, uh, I had no idea that that was Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s son. Oh, the uh, the other the other member of the core four. Yes, Chad. I did not until you said that just now. So uh, yeah, very cool. Oh. Mason Gooding. He's a. Uh, I remember him in Booksmart. He's pretty good in Booksmart too. I do not remember him in Booksmart, but. I do love that movie. Not a very big role, but... <laughs> okay, interesting. Oh, w- one last comment. Um, I don't remember exactly what the context of it was, but um, Jenna Ortega's character, she makes a comment about being from Michigan, and uh, Woodsboro is in California, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like a misdirect, like... She didn't want people to know where she's from, right? But it almost felt like there was like a meta like commentary on her saying Michigan because so many modern day horror films are set in Detroit. <laughs> Did you are pick they? up on that at all or no? No. I mean, I I've, I just read it as she was trying to... She didn't want the person she was talking... I think it was at a party 
that's where she's from and she said yeah. Michigan because she didn't want them to like connect the dots and realize that she was the Woodsboro victim. But it just seems a little coincidental to say Michigan. Come on, every fucking horror movie is set in Michigan. Barbarian, It Follows, Don't Breathe. I mean, there's there's more examples than just that, but there was the three pretty big ones. So but. I had forgotten Don't Breathe. The two that came to mind were It Follows and Barbarian, but... I don't know. I mean, Michigan Seems is like just it was a intentional. Classic. It was either going to be Michigan or or Ohio. Those are the two. Like <laughs> fucking yeah, fucking. I'm from Michigan. Or, you know, like I think it was t- intentional. They're two. Gonna have to watch the commentary. <laughs> <to confirm>. <laughs> <laughs> What's the meta element in asking? Is she from <laughs> Michigan? I don't know, dude. It, it felt like a. Is that a stretch? <laughs> like Michigan and Ohio are fucking mid states. If I've ever heard of one. Sorry to the Southern Cinema boys. It's like when you need a fast food <laughs> restaurant and you, you go with McDonald's. No, dude. McDonald's is A tier for sure. No, it's fucking Michigan is like Dairy Queen. You know what I mean? Yeah, but if you're going for just like an easy grab, you'd probably say McDonald's, right? Yeah, but that would like McDonald's would be like California. It's everywhere. I, Every yeah, movie I, ever is in California. I guess it depends yeah. on how you look at it, but I'm not looking at it as tears. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I'm going for common denominator. <laughs> we'll have we'll have to wait for the uh, the Blu-ray commentary to see if there was any uh, added uh, wink nod. Well, it just it caught me off guard because she said Michigan. I was like, no, there's the Scream franchise is not set in Michigan. <laughs> And then I was, I was trying to think, like, why would she say Michigan, like, other than just trying to throw off the character in the movie? And that was my explanation. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a neutral territory in the sense that people, like, don't really have, like, accents for the most part. So it's like she couldn't have said picked anywhere in the South because then people would have questioned, like, oh, why don't you have an accent? She couldn't, you know, there's, like, uh, an element of people aren't going to question or have follow-up questions about no, you no. being from Michigan. You know? You're either not thinking about it enough or you're thinking too much into it, but you got to get on my wavelength. Here. I don't know, but <laughs> it's right there, man. <laughs> it's the only explanation. Interesting. Okay. I mean, three horror movies over the last 10 years, I wouldn't really say is every horror No, movie. there's more examples. Trust me. I just... I'm sure there are, but I mean, it's probably just as many in... Uh, should it should have done more research. In Ohio. I mean, uh, all the Halloween movies are in Ohio. How many other movies are set in Ohio? You know, probably lots. I don't know. When are we going to get an Arkansas Are they in movie? Ohio? You know? I thought they were in Illinois. They are in Illinois. I'm gonna kill myself. I can't believe yeah, I'm the I'm the Halloween should. scholar and I <laughs> Haddonfield, Illinois. Woof. All right, I'm gonna retire after this episode. I'm sorry. You're gonna. Right, have to we find should move on co-host. before you embarrass yourself. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's give star ratings. Um, I'll go first. I'm gonna give Scream Six four stars. Wow, you love this movie. I'm giving it three stars. I think this is turning into a easy three franchise. I really enjoy these last two movies. I mean, they annoy me a little bit, so the ceiling is definitely four stars, but like I've had a really good time with both of them and you know, 
as a horror fan, I appreciate the meta elements, but more so I just like the the kills and I think the characters are likable and you know all that good stuff. So did you like the the meta dump scene with the uh, the girl from Yellow Jackets? No, um, I mean they. I like her. I like the actress a lot, but her character yeah. I find the most annoying in the last two. Like, because she's just like I, the meta character, you know what I, I mean? I do like, like that meta stuff, though. I kind of wish they would do a, a bit more of it. I like it in some instances, but, well, this is kind of spoilery. So um, I'll bring it, I'll segue into that, but. Um, if you have not yet seen Scream 6, check the show notes. We're going to have a very brief spoiler discussion. Um, so I do like her character. However, I did get big cringe vibes in the scene where she's talking to Hayden Pantieri's character and they're talking about like horror movie opinions. And they were like, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, sim- symbiotic. And I was just like, half of these opinions are cringe in and of them. Like, they're not real horror. Oh my god! I can't believe I just said that. Real horror movie opinions. God damn it! But I just like <laughs> they were like they should have been more like niche. Like the movies that they were having opinions on are like, as far as I'm concerned, pretty mainstream right. movies. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I would like, say. I mean, I can't remember every example, but I would say like the majority of the examples were pretty obvious and like pretty. Yeah, pretty like well established thoughts, you know, like yeah, that's the consensus. Or 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 you know, like maybe one of them there was like you could go one of two answers and they they split on those. But yeah, mm-hmm. it did feel Yeah, I think if you're going to make like a comment or like have An a appeal. scene to like a a, re, a big time horror nerd or something, you know. Yeah, go for a little bit deeper cuts or like a little more controversial like <laughs> choices. Like so here, so you said there were like one of two choices that could have gone with. I think a perfect example would have been like if she would have been like, "What's the most underrated Halloween movie?" and then they both said Halloween Three: Season of the Witch or something, you know, the, like the, yeah, that would have been well. But but I think that's like a well. Tr- like people who know horror movies know that that's like that's like a cult favorite in the franchise yeah. you know what i mean like the people who love that movie really fucking love that movie like pick movies that no one's ever heard of or like only horror fans would like get the reference to like i can't remember like the the movies that they pick for that section are so broad that i'm even struggling to remember what they say it's like one of them was uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, or it was like right the best one, Friday the one the with 13th. Corey Feldman, and she's like, I had a crush on him, and she's like, okay, fair enough, or so, something along those right, lines, right? Because they split on it, yeah. That was one of them because I think uh, the chick from Yellow Jackets, uh, I can't remember the character's name, but Jasmine Savoy Brown. I'm pretty sure she said Scream Part Two, and then Hayden Pantieri said Part Four. I mean, come on, but who had a who had a crush on Corey Feldman? Like, no offense to Corey Feldman, but. Yeah, right. <laughs> bit of a dork. Also, she's supposed to canonically she's thirty. She wasn't. Why would she have had a crush on Corey? Like those movies were before she was born. Unless she like. I mean, I guess you can have a crush on people in older movies, but it just seemed like that was a weird comment for her to have a crush on Corey Feldman when like canonically she wasn't even born when that movie was out. You know. 
Yeah. Maybe that's, that's, I'm nitpicking at this point, but, um, I wanted to use that to segue into the, how the legacy characters are treated in this one. Cause there's two, there's Courtney Cox is back as Gail Weathers and Hayden Panettiere. Um, I liked what they did with Gail Weathers. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I liked her scene. Hayden Panettiere though, felt like that was pandering and her character mostly just serves as a red herring for the reveal of the killers. Did you feel that way too? Right. Yes. Well, I know she's kind of a fan favorite and of four and four is also like, there's been like a reevaluation of four and some people say like four could be the best of the, the original four. So it almost, yeah, I just feel, it felt like the directors or creators were trying to appeal to the Scream 4 audience by, like, including her. Yeah. Because, and if, I just watched Scream 4, and, like, she's dead as fuck in Scream 4. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they don't, like, confirm it, confirm it, I guess, so there's always, like, the chance that she's not, but it seemed pretty clear that she was dead after four. See, I didn't even realize that. Really? (laughs) So it's an actual, well, I guess if they don't acknowledge, I don't think it's official, but it's like, it's kind of like one of those things where like, they're not officially dead unless you say they're like, we don't see them in the fucking morgue with a sheet, a white sheet (laughs) over their face. See, I don't scream four is the one that I have like the least, memories of i remember thinking it was okay when i watched it but like talk about people who are precious about scream like you alluded to it like the diehards fucking love scream for yes i have i'm neutral at best about scream for maybe i need to revisit it but sounds like maybe not i mean you just watched uh you would probably like it more than me but i just thought it got a little too goofy for its own good the cast in that is crazy though that was the main takeaway because it's like a lot of TV actors before they became like, you know, movie actors. And so just seeing everyone pop up in it was uh, kind of crazy. Yeah. Cause um, Emma Roberts is like the main character in that one, right? She's in it. Allison Brie is in it. Um, I mean, oh, those R- are Rory, the, Rory Culkin's in it too. Two mate. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple other like cameos too. Like Kristen Bell's in it for a little bit. Anna Paquin. Hmm. I mean, I feel like people also, that was the last one Wes Craven did before he died. So I think that's another added element why people love that one. But anyway, but did you, you like the Gail Weather stuff? Did you like what they did with her character in this one? Yeah, I liked it. I liked the, the punch. That was pretty good. Yes, that was good. <laughs> I, I, I liked what they did in her scene too at the, in her penthouse. Um, Mm -hmm. so one thing that I was not a fan of was the fact that all of the core four survived. Like I get Jasmine Savoy Brown's character surviving. That's fine. Like she got stabbed like a couple times, but like, uh, fucking the, What's his name? The computing junior son, Mason Gooding. Is that his Chad? name? Chad. Chad. Yeah, Mason yes. Gooding. Chad got stabbed like fifty fucking times. Like they show him like both of the Ghostface killers are just like stabbing the shit out of him, and he just like, oh, 
you made it. You know, I but was that, just like, come on, really? That's part of these movies is like someone can get fucking chopped to bits and they're still alive. Like Jen Ortega's character gets fucked up at the beginning of five and she's fine. <laughs> yeah, but they at least that's a big part of the movie. She's like alive in the hospital the whole movie. He gets like he it seems like he dies as part of the climax. And then for them to like have him be alive at the very end and for them to have one final like hey core four moment like I don't know. It felt a little cringy. And then for the other character, Jasmine Savoy Brown's character to come back and be like, did I miss the monologue again? Oh yeah. (laughs) That was kind of funny, I guess, but I was just like, come on. Like they're probably saving them to get killed in the next one, I guess. But although uh, the scream, who would be the core people from the scream franchise? It would be David Arquette, Courtney Cox, Nev Nev Campbell, is there a fourth one or is it just those three? I mean, it's really those three because those are the three they bring back for five. And then, you know, they kill off. Everyone else died or like doesn't Dewey. come back. Yeah. And then Nev Campbell, there was like contract disputes and that's the reason why she wasn't in six. Right. So it's like a passing of the torch kind of thing. Like I get that yeah. they want to keep those characters like together, but... Nev Campbell got the uh, Sylvester Stallone treatment in the uh, Rocky franchise. <laughs> it's just like, eh, we're not going to talk about him on this next one. <laughs> um, those were the main spoiler things I wanted to talk about. I mean, I don't really have much to say about the reveal of the killers other than I found it kind of underwhelming and a little bit too like, it was like they were jumping through hoops to try to surprise people. So it felt a yeah. little like, really? This is the motive? Oh, actually, oh my God, I remember. Did you laugh out loud in the climax when um, the the dad, the cop, charges at uh, Sam's character, even though she has a gun and she's pointing it at him? She like runs toward him, pointing a gun at him, and she... Or no, maybe it's him. Anyway, they like run toward each other. One of the characters in that scenario has a gun and is running forward and then doesn't shoot until they like meet in the middle and then the shot misses. And I laughed out loud because I was like, why the fuck are you charging forward when you have a gun? She was trying to get that aim assist. (laughs) (laughs) Did you not? (laughs) You didn't get like a little bit of ick from Uh, that? I was like, is this really happening right now? It didn't really they stand out, it in the moment. but I mean, I feel like I just, yeah, that happens a lot in these movies and <laughs> it just doesn't really phase me. That was so stupid. Yeah. Oh, it, it's him. So he's the one who has a gun and he's pointing it at her and she charges him. And the smart thing to do would be to just fucking shoot her. But he runs forward at her with his gun pointing forward. And then shoots as soon as she gets to him and like they struggle or whatever. But I was like, why are you fucking shoot her? Like there's that's what they that's sev- how they want you to react, man. I guess. I don't <laughs> it's know. It's all part of <laughs> It's all part of the plan. It's all part of the fun. <laughs> <laughs> that ripped me the wrong way, but yeah, the whole family thing. I mean, I guess if you're not gonna do one ghost face killer, like sure, fucking three, why not? Let's just have 20 ghost face killers. For every point. smart thing this franchise does, they also have to do something stupid to balance it. Yeah, that's part of the reason why I think I don't love these movies as much as 
some other diehards because there there is an element of like this is stupid to some of the choices that they make in all these movies but yeah um i hope they do like a i want the next scream to end like john wick chapter two ends where like it turns out there's like a whole network of like people across the globe like you know how in john wick chapter two he puts out the call and like all of the people in central park like look at their phones because they got the text like i want that i want there to just be like fucking like we're all ghost face you know (laughs) if you're gonna be stupid get real stupid with it that's where i hope they take the next uh the next chapter bring ghost face worldwide you know like let's have ghost face in tokyo yeah, Tokyo have like a coup in Japan where like overthrow the Japanese government and it's all just ghost faces <laughs> just murdering Japanese politicians. Let's do it. That's all I got for spoilers. Yeah. Nothing more well, specific. Yeah, I think I'm uh I'm still in on the Scream franchise, but expectations will never be that high. I think average quality Scream is the winner. Right, like you look at all these like horror franchises, like the worst one, at least in my memory, and I've only seen most of these one time. But Scream Three is the worst one, I think. And even Scream yeah, Three is, I like, would agree. You know, it's okay, but like, there's not the peaks and valleys that you get with some of these other, you know, like Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the Thirteenth. They're like, yeah, but the quality overall is pretty good, but the peaks are not as high. As Scream didn't have to deal with being in the 80s the 80s was like ripe for shitty ass movies yeah but i mean i mean just like the quality because like digital wasn't quite there and like so everything was still shot on film but you could definitely tell like the budget you know was not quite there or like the acting chops were not quite there there's a lot of like terrible movies from the 80s i mean you know everyone loves the 80s but Let's let's be real here, and there's a lot of turds out there that we probably haven't even seen or even know that exist. And I think a lot of those horror franchises suffer from just being a part of the '80s. Yes, that is very fair. But I pulled from the '80s ones because those are the most iconic. But I mean, there's other examples. There's Saw. You know that that franchise is all over the place. There's fucking paranormal activity there's final destination you know like there's others too it's not just 80s, that's true like. so that's true. i did pull from the 80s one so your, your point is that i'm just thinking like, like slash or i was gonna say slash it <laughs> slash x uh classic slashers <laughs> yes um so scream you know it has that going for it because like even the worst scream movie is like not bad the worst Halloween movies, yeah. the worst Probably, Friday the 13th movies are borderline unwatchable. Right, know? yeah. At least Scream is mostly consistent all the way through. Yes. So it's got that going for it. So I will definitely see Scream 7 opening weekend again. Because I think they're fun. The, but. This maybe isn't the perfect analogy and might be kind of a diss to the man, but... um. Scream is kind of like the Steven Soderbergh of uh, horror franchises. You know, he rarely knocks it out of the park, but he's always hitting like a single or a double like every time. Right. You can count on there at least being something interesting going on. (laughs) They're getting on base at least. Right. (laughs) May not be pretty every time, but 
that average is high. So no, no zero and three strikeouts though from no. uh, from Soderberg. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Anything else before we move on? That is all Okey for Scream. Dokey. That's going to do it for Scream 6. Hope you enjoyed the review. Let's move into what we've been watching. I do not have a ton. I have a movie that I will talk about and then some TV stuff, but that's about it. How much have you been watching lately? I think I will talk about two things. I, I'm always watching a lot of movies, but most <laughs> of them are in one eye out the other, so... You love movies, dude. I do. Nothing to say. (laughs) (laughs) I've watched about 35 movies this month, but, you know, only two of them left an impact on me. That's probably part of my problem. I just (laughs) Just need to watch less. Nothing's hitting. (laughs) Yeah, you got to be more. Well, anyway, what are are the two that that you want to talk about? First, I will start with Empire of Light, the new... Oh, the Sam Mendes movie? Sam Mendes movie. Talk about actually, in one eye out the other. I haven't heard those fucking words uttered since the movie came out. Well, I was actually pretty excited for this one. I'm a fan of yeah. Sam Mendes. I'm a fan of Olivia Coleman. Sure. Uh, thought the premise was intriguing. But um, all of that quickly went away about 20 minutes in. It just, uh, I don't know... I don't think it was what I expected. And I was viewing this as like a love letter to cinema, but it's really not that. Like there's a little bit of that that's almost like shoehorned in at the end. But a lot of it is just like this theater serves as like a backdrop for this story. And I'm just not really sure why he was so compelled to tell this story. And, I mean, there's there's reasons for it, but I guess it just felt a little, like, muddled. Like, he was trying to go a little too big or broad with the storylines, and they didn't all really come together at the end. Mm-hmm. But, like, Olivia Coleman's character deals with mental health issues, um, and then there's, like, an element of racism and... Yeah, it just it just didn't do the like the Fableman's thing that I wanted it to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, per- performances were solid, but again, like it, I, I just don't think it really went anywhere. Um, and when it did go somewhere, it just it felt like it was just trying to do a little too much trying to be like a little too important for what it is does it at least feel like personal to sam mendez because like it kind of got lumped in with the fablemans and armageddon time in that like you know not not explicitly armageddon time isn't explicitly a love letter to cinema but it was like kind of semi-autobiographical like empire of like kind of got lumped into that does it at least feel like I mean, Maybe not pers- pers- like personal to him, but personal to like where he grew up. And I think uh, Olivia Coleman's character might be like a like a figure for his mother, like growing up. Sure. So it could seem personal in that sense, but I don't know. Like Roger Deakin shot this, and it wasn't like that great to look at. And then 
yeah, like the the whole element of cinema, it's it's mainly like a backdrop and then there's like a moment towards the end that is like trying to do the whole like powerful uplifting, you know, cinema is magic type thing, but I don't think it really earns it. I don't know. It's just kind of boring and a little too like obvious with what it's trying to say. Like just some of the topics it's hitting, like racism, mental health, like not to be insensitive, but like, you know, we've, we've seen that recently. We got it. Thanks. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't necessarily need you to chime in on this one, Sam. No. <laughs> now you did bring up Roger Deakins. When are we going to admit that our boy is, uh, it's time to retire. Cause I don't know if you've looked at his filmography recently, but his last three were empire of light. 1917, another Sam Mendes joint, which sure, like that movie's cool to look at. Good movie. But before that, it was The Goldfinch. I don't know if you ever caught up with that one, but uh, not Man. good. And then Blade Runner 2049 was the last one that he did before that. Okay, well, Blade Runner 2049 looked incredible. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, that was six years ago now. He's got like kind of three, I almost well, said stinkers. I guess ni- 1917, It's the cinematography is pretty impressive. In it, the but. dude is getting old, but um, I'm guessing maybe the paycheck was right for the Goldfinch and um, maybe not a lot of other offers. I thought 1917, I mean, it was gimmicky, but the cinematography was great in it. And then maybe he th- he felt like he owed his boy a favor or something. So he did Empire of Light. Yeah, because he's done he's done like basically all of Sam Mendes' movies, right? Except for like uh, uh, American Beauty or what was the one? I don't think he did that. Not American Beauty. Um, about about almost famous, almost famous. That's Sam Mendes, right? Mm, I don't think so. What was the one that put him on the map? I know he's done a lot of shit with the Coens. No, I know, I know. Roger Deakins has wait. Oh, Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes directed American Beauty. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was talking about. But I don't think he was a cinematographer. No, not for that. But he has done like five or six movies with Sam Mendes. I'm pretty sure. Like he did the Bond movies. He did uh, Jarhead. I think. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're right. Empire of Light, 1917, Skyfall, oh, yeah. Revolutionary Jarhead. Road, too. Remember that thing? Ah, yeah. Love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty good, but like, that's a movie where someone says the title of it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Revolutionary Road. It didn't really leave much of a. Hey, that was one of uh, Michael Shannon's like first big roles that put him on the map. Oh, man, he's so good in that movie. I love me uh, some Leo and Kate Winslet, so movie has a special place i mean it's no titanic but it's pretty good (laughs) pretty good i'm dying for a titanic rewatch by the way i don't know if i've mentioned this on the show recently but i don't think i've seen it since i was like 10 honestly besides like watching a scene here and there i don't think i've seen it in full since the theater when my aunt took us (laughs) oh my god dude do we need to do a retro review of titanic soon didn't they did they do a re-release or are they planning on doing a re-release? They did it already. Fuck. That was the time to do it. Yeah, it'll be back. 
it'll be sure. back for the 30 year anniversary and then the 35 and the 40 and the 50th is going to be huge dude well, we're going to take our kids to see titanic <laughs> it's going to be amazing <laughs> but no i would i would be down for a retro review of titanic i when i watched that movie as a kid it was i thought the first half was so fucking boring me and my friend would mostly just watch this was in the VHS days. Oh, yeah. We would mostly watch the second tape. <laughs> and we used to love the part where the guy would like fall into the... like. Oh, the, and he hits his head on the propeller? Like, yeah. yeah <laughs> sucked dude, into the propeller. That guy gets <laughs> roasted. <laughs> um, so as an adult... I mean, it, 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 you're not wrong, though. Like, yeah, especially as a kid, the first half is pretty boring. Like, you mainly watch it to see Kate Winslet naked, and then oh, you yeah. want to watch the ship go down. And like, that's... Yeah. The, those are the reasons you watched Titanic. What if Titanic is secretly what if what if me and you have like a like a Dracula type moment where we're like, oh my god, is this the best movie ever made? Kind of James thing. Cameron is a fucking genius. <laughs> yeah, dude. Maybe we need to Yeah. When, when there's like All a dry right. spell. We've got we've got some bangers coming out soon. So maybe when we're lacking for content, we'll We'll do a retro review, but anyway, we got we got sidetracked. Anything else to say on Empire of Light? No, just it was pretty disappointing overall. Bummer. I shouldn't uh, race to get no. this one on the watch list. No, there's really no point. I mean, Oscars are over. It didn't really win anything. I don't think it won anything. You know, best of years over. There's really no reason to watch it. Unless I need to be a Sam Mendes completionist or something. Yeah, or or a Deacon's completionist. Oh, but you, I haven't seen most of Deacon's movies because he was a <laughs> homeboy was working back in the day. <laughs> um, yeah, I would highly recommend the Fablemans first. Not that they're similar, but I know you haven't seen that, so definitely catch that one before it's, you even think about this one. It's second on the list. Um number it's the whale is number 1 for me cuz I got to I'm very curious. It's my boy. I'm very curious because that just such a mixed reaction on that movie. <laughs> I unless the clip was edited, I saw how the movie ends and I wanted to die. So I'm, I don't know if it was real or if it was like, you know, so I'm going to reserve judgment for the films, but ending is huge. I saw a clip, like the final, what it seemed to be the final, like five seconds of the movie. And how did you see the clip online? Twitter. Oh Oh, no. (laughs) Videos autoplay on Twitter. So I like, I don't. I don't want you to confirm or deny. I. I want to try and be as like I could see as I can. That but. being out of context, rubbing someone the wrong way. <laughs> but you got to sit through that movie first, you know. Okay, I. I kind of feel like you're confirming that what I saw was. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. That does not make me want to. <laughs> Go rent it on VOD right now. Watch it, but I I have to. Darren Aronofsky's my boy, so uh, I will. He's trolling. Judgment. He's trolling. The end is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> You're not gonna put me off the scent. I'm I'm on to him. Hopefully, by the next time we record, I'll uh, I will have seen that. So, well, we'll circle back to that. But anyway, The Fablemans is probably number two of of this All crop right. of of movies. Oh, did you see Babylon's on Paramount? I did. 
I'll probably, I'm definitely going to watch that while Haley is gone because she has re- no interest. I don't know what it was, but I'll, I'll touch on it really quick. I rewatched Babylon with uh, Chelsea, and I don't know if it was watching it again so soon or watching it at home, but it did not have the same impression on me as it did in the theater. Did it go down star rating wise? No. I'm not going to blame the movie. I'm going to blame myself first. Interesting. I okay. felt like I was on drugs the first half in the theater, <laughs> and I didn't get that feeling rewatching it at home. So, kind of disappointing. I almost feel like it's one of those movies like Lightning in a Bottle. You know, you, you see it for the first time in the theater, and nothing will ever compare to that. Right. It's just never going to hit the same way. It's like on a rewatch. I mean, not that it's the same thing, but like seeing Mad Max Fury Road for the first time in the theater, nothing will ever touch that. Nothing. As far as like rewatches go of Fury Road at home. Right, right. You're <laughs> never gonna you're never gonna compare it to that, yeah. No. That's fair. Interesting. Okay. Um do you want me to go or do you want to do your other one now? Uh, I'll get my last one out of the way real quick. So I finally watched Desperado. Oh, favorite. yes. Lay it on and, me. And uh, I did like it quite a bit, but I did not love it. it oh, I feel like man. it's one of those, maybe you had to see it at the time to fully appreciate it. No? I mean, I think there's an element of nostalgia for me, but it wasn't until I got in my adult rewatch that I was like, this movie fucking rules. Like, it it, it skyrocketed onto my top 100. Like, it was not even a contender, Jeez. but I was like, I loved this movie when I was a kid. I should watch it. And then I did, and I was like, oh my God, this is one of the most entertaining, awesome, badass movies I've ever seen in my whole life. See, I, I, yeah, it is very fun, but like maybe we're just a, a bit spoiled these days with um, action movies. But like, once you've seen like a John Wick movie and you go back and watch something from the '90s, it just doesn't have the same like impact. It it just feels a little like goofy or silly. I mean, I get that's what you're saying. that yeah. that's more. I mean, I feel like that's more so just like the tone of Robert Rodriguez than you know being in the 90s but um yeah i did i don't have any nostalgia for it but i did like it quite a bit there's some good action salma hayek's pretty hot in it i had to watch it for that one scene alone dude that sex scene oh my god (laughs) (laughs) two of the hottest people who've ever lived in one of the best <laughs> sex scenes you've ever seen in your life. I mean, it's not like super graphic. I mean, but no. the, just the way it's edited and just like, oh my God, there's like the roses and the, f- oh, it's that, ooh, got me all worked up. Oh, and you gotta love the fucking Quentin Tarantino cameo. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, and the bar. And the Cheech, he- the Cheech uh, cameo is pretty good too. Yeah. Well, it's not really, a, well, no, I guess it counts as a cameo, it's- right? Uh, yeah, he's in like, I mean, it's a pretty long scene, but it's really only like one scene that he's in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tarantino is like probably one of the worst actors. <laughs> and like, <laughs> it's very like apparent when he's in a movie, but like, I, I still love seeing him pop up, even though every time I'm like, this is kind of cringe. I still like get enjoyment out of seeing him on it's screen. at least memorable i mean specifically robert rodriguez movies he knows how to do a quentin tarantino cameo remember his cameo mm-hmm. in planet terror oh yeah where he gets his dick like melted off 
I do like his cameo a bit in um from Dust Till Dawn where he plays like the like psycho brother, you know, like unhinged. Oh yeah, he he's whatever he is. Really bad in it, but well, that's not a cameo. He's like one of the main. He's kind of one of the main characters in From Dust Till Dawn, isn't he? Oh, I feel like it's Main-ish. still kind of a cameo. He's it's like c- couple scenes he's in. I don't know. I mean, he's he's a he, if there were he's one but, of the top four or five major characters in From Dust Till Dawn. But okay, Robert fair. Rodriguez knows what to do. Like he knows what makes Quentin Tarantino work because he's a bad actor. But like, yeah. But in Desperado, he he basically just tells like an extended joke that's not that funny in, in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it's kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, glad I finally watched it. I did not watch El Mariachi uh, or the sequel to this one. Once Upon a Time in Mexico? Yeah. I haven't seen that. That is one I have not revisited since it came out, but I remember liking it when it came out. I thought about doing the whole trilogy, but then I bailed and just went with the the main one. El Mariachi is um it's like I'm not going to call it a bad movie, but it's like very low budget. Like it's not really worth seeing unless you want to check a box to use one of your terms. <laughs> <laughs> like it's if really I, not. If I would have watched it like 20 years ago, I feel like I would have loved it, but nowadays I don't I feel like I would just I mean, it's hard to say exactly how I'd feel, but yeah, I'm probably just going to think it's like, you know, low budget, not very good. It's pretty fun, but I mean, the ceiling is definitely like a three and a half or four, probably. I bet you would probably, like, that's a three movie for you if I've ever seen one, (laughs) you know, like, but it's worth watching. It's just like Desperado, I think is by far the, the best of the, of the three, the Mariachi trilogy for sure. Clearly, oh yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you watched it. What did you end up rating, Desperado? I gave it a three and a half. Don't oh, freak out. Criminally low. But it's a, uh, it's a heavy three and a half. It's very close to a four. Okay, that's fair enough. It could maybe go up on rewatch. <laughs> okay, cool. Anything else before I uh, close it out? I think that's it. Okay. Um, just a couple things that I will mention. So the only film that I have watched since we last recorded is a Haley favorite. I actually watched it on your Voodoo account because we were browsing, trying to look for something to watch, and she saw it, and she was like, oh, my God, I love that movie. And it's uh, Sugar and Spice, which is not a movie that I have any familiarity with. Um, had never even heard of it. I had only seen the icon on your voodoo account when i'm scrolling through your library um, classic 90s flick apparently although it's an early oh, 2001 flick, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice right it feels 90s it does i mean i feel like the early 2000s are a continuation of the 90s yeah. and at least from a film perspective um but anyway it was not something that i had ever seen before ever heard of but Haley saw it when she was a kid and she loved it so it was her turn to pick a movie so we watched that and um it felt very 90s slash early millennium in the sense that it's like like the, the movies from that era have a very specific like cadence to the dialogue it's like kind of rapid fire like i don't know if it was like the quentin tarantino influence on just like characters 
doing really rapid fire quirky dialogue but people like don't talk like actual human beings in a lot of these movies um sugar and spice has that vibe but it's not as funny as some of those other movies that do it like but i'm a cheerleader is a good example i think that movie is pretty good and still holds up and is funny sugar and spice is like Mm -hmm. interesting like stylistically i think it does some interesting things and it is fun in fits and starts but like overall like once they start so basically the movie is about like the popular girl in high school who like falls in love with the transfer student like star football player who's like an airhead to the nth degree like he's a fucking moron but he like is big dumb and lovable and you know he's like a uh, an interesting subversion of the jock trope because he's like actually a good guy but really fucking stupid anyway so they like have a baby together and the movie is about like the the main character diane who is, is that like, james marston yes james marston plays the dumb jock football player great he who's great as always i mean james marston is underrated um but the main character her name is marley shelton she's been in some other stuff but um she like comes up with an idea to rob the bank that she works at to like get money for her yeah, she's in the Scream kid. movies. She's in Scream 4 and 5. Is she really? Yeah, she plays the like deputy or sheriff or whatever. She kind of takes over for Dewey. Oh my god, she is in those movies. Oh my god, I'm looking at... Okay, so she's actually got a pretty extensive filmography. I'm not realizing, but... She's in Bubble Boy? Oh my god. Anyway, so the actress... That was definitely her era, though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she's she's the main character, and they like it's like a heist movie where these like high school girls are like planning a bank heist, and you know the, there's some fun moments, but overall it's like kind of annoying and uh, kind of looks like shit, and just overall like not a bad movie by any means. Like I did have some fun with it, but even Haley admitted that it it doesn't really hold up. Um. So, you know. Yeah, it's more of like one of those movies you remember from your childhood rather than it being like a cult classic from your childhood. Well, so this is on your voodoo, and I Haley did text you to ask, like, because she thought it was maybe a movie that Chelsea introduced you to. Is this something that you saw back in the day that you, like, wanted to watch um, again? Or, like, what's your story with Sugar and Spice? Well, I don't read into anything on my voodoo. That's your first mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Is the is the true story that it was ninety nine cents and why not? <laughs> I I feel like I did see it back in the day, but um yeah the reason why it's on my voodoo is probably because I got it for super cheap. So, so I don't really have there's any no like story, nostalgia. Really. No, okay. no 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 no. But I, I don't think Chelsea's ever seen it. Not that it matters. You know this movie it um. One that it always reminds me of, or I get it mixed up with. Maybe I'll let you take one guess. Which movie do you think I'm thinking of? That you mix up with Sugar and Sugar Spice. Sugar and Spice. Mm-hmm. Um, from around the same era. 
Jawbreaker? Yes. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> See, that's another one that Haley, uh, that was another Haley favorite that I had never seen. And I felt very similarly about Jawbreaker. Although I, if, if I had to give an edge to Wanda, I'd say Jawbreaker is probably a little more interesting. But now that you mention it, they do have pretty similar premises, don't they? <laughs> like Kind of. Dark high school girls like getting into trouble, you know. Yeah. Interesting. Sugar and spice, jawbreakers, like you know, uh, candy. Totally consistent, yeah. It's right there. It's right there. <laughs> yeah, those are. That's actually. Uh, it's funny that you mix those two up, because I actually I'm, I looked up my rating of jawbreaker and I also gave that two and a half stars. So there's a both. I feel like those are both like you had to be there movies. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, that was Sugar and Spice. That's the only movie. Um, mostly just been watching reality TV shows like The Bachelor, Survivor, The Challenge. It's all in the mix. It's huge. But I'm not going to talk about those. Um, Thanks uh, for sparing us. Yeah. Um, I know you haven't seen it yet, but The Last of Us finale uh, just happened on hmm. Sunday. And um, it was amazing. As someone who has played the game, which I know you have, um, I played the first one. Yeah, I I played the first one. I owned the second and put probably about six hours into it. But it was around the time that I moved to Florida, so I just like mm, it, just bad timing. I just fell off on it. Yeah, bad timing. So I plan on actually starting it very soon or restarting it very soon. But I think the show is fantastic. Like all of the stuff that you love from the game is in the show, but they do a better job of like fleshing out the world some of the like side characters intentions and it's just a beautiful well done dark version of that game so now that it's over i know you usually wait till the show's finished before you like watch it because you're not about the being part of the discourse but i would highly recommend that now that it's over maybe not immediately because i know how you are but you know i do think you should watch this show it's very well done. I thought the way they handled the finale um, could probably couldn't have handled it better. I think it was pretty masterful how they uh, translated it to the silver screen. Do we know how many seasons we're looking at for this thing? Are they kind of trying to do as many as possible, or I think just two. The, wow. the 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 story of the show very closely mirrors the story of the first game. Like Mm. you play the game Mm -hmm. uh, the way that that ending you remember with some slight differences is very much the ending of the show. So it's like, it's the stuff from point A to point B. I remember anything that I did in fucking the last of us when I played it. (laughs) Do you not remember like (laughs) that story? Cause if not, it might actually hit you. Uh, I remember a few beats, but if you ask me how the game ended, I couldn't tell you. Okay. So that actually makes me think you should, watch it even horror because uh i, I, am, I very yeah, much remember all of the main story beats so it's like even it being because i played that game several times and it's one of my favorite games so i think you'll very much enjoy it i yeah i am very curious and now that it's all complete i'm probably more inclined to watch it you should uh, when you find the time give it a poke Report back. I got the time. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> 
I think you'll enjoy it. I, I thought it was pretty pretty masterful. I'm not surprised that it caught on the way it has. I mean, I'm I know glad to hear because I have heard some backlash on it or like, oh, it's okay or oh, it's just like The Walking Dead. You know, I've heard comments that are somewhat negative, and so I'm glad to hear that you're championing it. Anyone who thinks that The Walking Dead is on par with The Last of Us is a smooth-brained baby back bitch. Right? There's uh, The Walking Dead is a trash show. <laughs> Like it's fucking garbage, lowest common denominator fucking horseshit TV show. So, whoever had that opinion, I'm sorry to say, you're you're fucking mental. Um, not to say that like The Last of Us is like the best show I've ever seen in my life, but like, come on, Walking right. Dead, get real. Well, I'm glad to hear. I'm glad to hear it didn't like peak at episode three or whatever. Well, well I mean, it, it did. Peaked, it did, but <laughs> it didn't. It wasn't downhill after that. At least. No, no, no. Yeah, I think sounds like it kept its footing for the most part. <laughs> It'll make sense when you see it. Episode three is kind of its own its own thing, but right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's good shit. Um, but that's it. I'm hoping that I can get myself into a movie mood um, soon because I've been in kind of a slump these last six months or so. I mean, I did move and everything, but like I. Can't, that's not really an excuse anymore. I just, I don't know. I just haven't really been in the mood to watch movies. They've kind of been feeling like homework lately. Most of what Dude. I've been watching is like stuff we're doing for the show. And I just, I don't know when That's I have free time. Movies are these days is fucking homework. <laughs> I need something to, to reignite my love or something. Oh, you know what? A random recommendation. I'm not going to really talk about it, but have you ever seen The Hunger by Tony Scott? I have not. I know people love it, though. I actually own it. it. Oh, no. I own The on, Howling, not The Hunger. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going <laughs> to let you in on a little secret here. The Hunger is leaving HBO at the end of this month. And I'm not saying it's the best movie ever, but I think you would dig it and you should try and check it out before it leaves HBO. Okay. Is that a, is that a werewolf movie? Vampire movie Vampire with movie. David Bowie, Susan Sarandon, Catherine Deneuve. It's huge. Sign me up. Maybe I'll see if Haley wants to watch it before she goes to Florida. If not, I'll have to watch it on my own because she the, will be in Florida when it leaves HBO. I think it's like ultimately satisfying as like a you know story or movie, but the, like the style and the vibes, huge. Nice. Huge. I haven't seen a ton of Tony Scott films, so... I think that's his first one. Interesting. So I've seen like fucking Days of Thunder and Deja Classic. Vu and <laughs> <laughs> a lot of his Denzel Man on Fire, isn't that Tony Scott? Yep. That's a lot of his Denzel collaborations I have seen. Unstoppable? Is that Tony Scott? Yep. <laughs> Can't believe there's you know Tony Scott was on to something if Denzel went out of his way to fucking collaborate with him that many times. You know what I mean? It's true. And uh, true romance. he directed True Romance. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's one of my favorites. All right. I'll, I'll see if I can get uh, The Hunger, get that watch in before we record next. Um, and it's only like uh, 90 minutes. Only reason why I'm making a stink about it is because it's going to be leaving HBO soon. And right. I remember watching that on DVD long ago. I think it's when I was still renting DVDs from the library movie did nothing for me but watching it in hd on hbo it did something for me (laughs) oh yeah all right 
I'll see if I can get that watch in. Okay. Anything else before we wrap this one up? I think that's it. Fuck yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, We mentioned it earlier in the show, but the next mainline episode, it's going to be huge. John Wick Chapter 4, the epic two-hour and 45-minute installment. The epic return of Tom, right? He fucking better be. I mean, I think he said he would come back for that one. He did. So we're going to have to get our ducks in a row and do some coordinating. But uh, yes, yes, the triumphant return of Tom should be uh, pretty crazy. I'm stoked, dude. I mean, I sent you that one. uh, I mean, to be fair, it was an IGN review. Yeah, I was going to ask, is this an IGN (laughs) review? Not exactly. uh, It's not fucking Roger Ebert or anything. But um, I did see another like poster headline saying it's one of the best action movies someone's ever seen it wasn't from ign so the hype's building i mean come on dude i mean if we can if we can find a way to maybe see it all together that would be that would be cool huge maybe is there a regal wait are you a regal guy or an amc guy now i'm a regal guy you're a regal guy is there a regal in everett yep that would probably be the best one because it's it's the it's pretty much the closest one for me. I mean, the one in Marysville is about equal distance from uh, my house as the Everett one. But yeah, the Everett one's probably like five ten minutes for Tom, so that's probably our best bet. We'll see. Marysville would be a little bit closer for me, but I don't know quality yeah, but wise. If you're making the trip, it's it's probably a, like ten more minutes for you. And is is the the Everett Regal better? Uh, yeah, I mean, it has like RPX and stuff, but it's not that much better than the Marysville one. Okay, so th- there's there's not like a strong, like, that's not going to be the determining factor is like... No, okay. honestly, we should just leave it up to Tom, see what he says. Right, we, we're kind of at his, at his mercy, because yeah, he's the time. one with fucking children. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's going to be a fun one, so stay tuned. Um... We've also got another Digest episode coming soon that I have uh, been sitting on editing because I've been busy, but hopefully with this new computer coming and uh, more movies coming out, I can get back into my uh, my editing rhythm. But um, we got a Digest episode. Uh, the next one we're going to be doing after you hear this is uh, Scary Movie 3 and Signs, which should be a fun one. So Can't that's... More content coming straight to your ears. Probably That's be record huge. that in the next week or so. Yeah, I think we could probably record that. Anyway, we can have this discussion on the but That'll be recorded yep, yep, soon. Yep. So we've got lots, lots of plans. We should do another draft coming up because those are always fun. So... Lots of content in the works. You guys are going to love it. So anyway, that's going to do it for episode 115. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will catch you next time. Later. Toodles. Toodles.